Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The Courage to Lead, episode 233. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Bob Berg. Bob Berg shares how a subtle shift in focus is not only a more uplifting and fulfilling way of conducting business, but the most financially profitable way as well. For 30 years, Bob has helped companies, sales leaders, and their teams to more effectively communicate their value, sell at higher prices with less resistance, and grow their businesses based on endless referrals. Bob has regularly addressed audiences ranging in size from 50 to 16,000, sharing the platform with notables, including today's top thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, and political leaders, including a former U.S. president. Although for years he was best known for his book, Endless Referrals, it's his business parable, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, that captured the imagination of his readers. The Go-Giver, a Wall Street Journal and Business Week bestseller, has sold over a million copies. Since its release, it has consistently stayed in the top 25 on Porchlight's business book bestsellers list. The book has been translated into 30 languages. It has rated number 10 on Inc. Magazine's list of the most motivational books ever written and was on HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence with total book sales approaching 2 million copies. All right, Bob Berg, welcome to the program. Coach Harlan, great to be with you. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for all your books. Love the books. Love the go-giver. Um, Thank you. It's really, it's made a change. Now, I know the American Management Association named you as one of the top 30 most influential leaders, and you were also named one of the top 200 most influential authors in the world, Irishopia. High, high praise. That's awesome. Thank you. I think that, well, those were quite a while ago, so I'm not sure they should stay on the uh, biography part, but, uh, the, uh, but, you know, so it's always nice to, to hear something like that, even if it's just, you know, it's, it's a person's opinion who was writing that. So it's, but, uh, but yeah, it's always nice to hear. If it's based on the books, definitely. I can see where that came from. Um, all right. I want to talk about the books, how you uh, came up with the idea for the go-giver and um, endless referrals. Before we get started, I have 10 icebreaker questions that I ask each one of my guests. Uh, listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio. Okay. The host James Lipton asks these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. Let's do it. I, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with that show, but I've never... I think I've, I'm sure I've seen it a couple of times, but I don't know what those questions are. So I will genuinely be surprised. I'm sure by by several of them. So we'll we'll see how I do. No worries. All right. Question number one: What is your favorite word? My favorite word, uh, I would say, empathy. Nice. What is your least favorite word? 
Ah, oh, least favorite word. That is a good one. Uh, and I'm sure there are many of them. Least favorite word. Uh, I think you got me. I, I can't really come up with a with one least favorite word that would that would be over and above everything else. Sorry about that. Okay. No worries. All right. What turns you on? Um, I think the feeling of uh, making a difference. I think as human beings, there's a, it's an aspect of human nature. We all want to feel as though we're part of something bigger than ourselves and that we've added something to life. So I would say that. Nice. And what turns you off? I would say people being mean, nasty, uh, people who certainly people who abuse animals and, and uh, you know, that that sort of thing, I, I I look at that in a way that's probably not very kind. Absolutely, there's a special place in hell for people that abuse animals. Uh, yes, yes, there is. Yes, there is. All right, what sound or noise do you love? Oh, what sound? It's got got to be laughter. Nice. What sound or noise do you hate? Gosh, he he really asked all those questions, huh? <laughs> uh, what sound do I hate? Uh, probably loud sirens that kind of signal that something, something yucky is going on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Well, it's a word I, I had to about 30 years ago when I realized that I used the word much too much that I had to consciously break myself of. And that would be the F word that seemed to seem to be my middle name at one point. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I'd say stand-up comedian. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever done that before? I, I never have. I never have. I, you know, uh, when I speak, um, you know, on stage, I, I put a lot of humor into my talk, but that's certainly a different animal. That's not like being up there for the, re- you know, it's if you're up there to present on a topic and you're funny, that's a bonus. You know, if you're going up there on stage, uh, as a, as a standup, obviously that is the baseline, (laughs) right? And so that's a whole different story. That's a whole, whole lot of, lot more pressure. And I, I kind of regret that I never did that because I, it's one of those things I, I probably should have done. Yeah. I've heard. I don't mean as a profession, but just to to have done it, I should have done it a couple of times just to try it. Yeah, I've heard other CEOs take classes on uh, stand-up comedy just to get them comfortable being up in front of people. And yeah, oh yeah, it's a good idea. Plenty of time, you could do that. All right, uh, question nine, what profession would you not like to do? Oh, what profession would I not like to do? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, well, I guess the medical profession, I would have no interest in in doing something like that. So I guess that would be one I definitely wouldn't want to do. All right. And final question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, I think most people would like to hear, you know, welcome my son. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would be a good one or, you That'd know, good, good, good job. The best one, the best thing would be probably to hear God say that you lived up to your potential. Now, I don't think I have. So I don't think that's something I would hear, but that's something that would be, you know, a wonderful thing to hear. 
know, I think you are well on your way, sir, with all the all the impact you've had through your books and your your talks. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Then I want to come back talk about how you got your start, where the idea for the books Go Giver uh, came came from, um, some of the things you've done and and presented, and some of the things you're involved in. Okay, so we're going to take a short break and come back and talk about all that and probably more. All right, so listeners, be ready for that right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Bob Berg. Bob, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. Really appreciate your time, sir. My pleasure. So did you know from an early age you wanted to be a best-selling author? Someone whose <laughs> work would impact the world? Uh, I had no idea about, about being an author. That wasn't, wasn't even a thought, uh, for me. I was also a horrible student. Um, I barely graduated high school. In fact, on the, on graduation day, uh, as we were leaving, you know, the, the field after the ceremony, I ran into my guidance counselor, uh, and he said, Berg, I, I can't believe I'm actually seeing you here today. <laughs> And and here's the thing, he he was not a bad guy at all. He was a great guy. So it's not as though, oh, that's just one of the doubters who no, he had absolutely great reason for, for believing that. Uh so um yeah, he was a really nice guy. Um then I got into uh, I took a couple of years off after high school, got into college on academic probation. That's the only reason the way they let me in. And I'm pretty sure if such a thing exists that I graduated on academic probation. So I was not a student. I had no respect for the whole process, well, which I regret now, of course, because sure. uh, just just learning how to learn is would have been a, you know, a great thing. Uh, my education really didn't start until I got into sales and started reading all the great books that were recommended. Right. And that's where I got to build myself on the, you know, the inside and, and started to recognize, wow, you know, there's so much I don't know. Um, and so much more that I think I do know that I totally don't. So. So when did you first start writing? When did you get that, that feeling that, Hey, I, I've got an idea I want to put down. So it the first book, which was called Endless Referrals, uh, that happened because not because I really wanted to write a book. I had been speaking for a few years. This was the early 90s, getting into the, the mid 90s. And uh, I'd been speaking for a few years and had just gotten to that point that I was building a successful business. And I was at a National Speakers Association convention and speaking with a couple of the more veteran speakers. And, you know, and one of them said, you know, Berg, it's really time you wrote a book. And the other one agreed. And I said, well, you know, I really don't want to. I, I'm just enjoying the speaking part. I'm, I'm kind of getting that this down. I've got my, I had time cassette tape albums that I would sell from stage. We call them cassette tape albums. I mean, that's how long ago this was. And, uh, 
And I said, I kind of, and they said, well, you really would should consider it because what it's going to do is it's going to help position you as an expert in the marketplace. It's going to make your marketing a lot easier and more effective. You're going to get higher fees. You're going to be more desired. You're going to, and they gave me a bunch of, re and I said, you know, I, you guys are probably right. <laughs> and, uh, and that's why I wrote my first book. I wrote my first book just really as a positioning tool. Uh, I'd say after that, every book I've either authored or co-authored has been because I felt I had a message I wanted to share. And that's why I, I wrote it. And then where did you come up with the idea for the, the Go-Giver series? Yeah. So, so going back to endless referrals for a moment, because that's really kind of where that the germ of the idea was. Okay. Endless referrals was, was a book on basically on business networking. And that was back in the day when uh, there weren't, uh, you know, thousands of books on business networking, uh, which there are now, but back then there were like three and mine was one of them. So, uh, which, which was a pretty good thing, you know? And so, but it was a how-to book on basically relationship building. It was written for entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a great product or service. They knew it brought wonderful value to others but they didn't necessarily feel comfortable going out into their local communities and building the kinds of relationships where people would wanna do business with them directly and or refer them to others. So Endless Referrals was based on a premise that I've been saying for as long as I've been speaking, that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Um, but again, but again, it was a how-to book, and and I'd always enjoyed since I'd been in sales. I enjoyed reading business parables, whether it was the long-form Mandino's greatest salesman in the world, or, or, uh, uh, you know, the Classen's richest man in Babylon, or you know, all those great books. And then into the seventy, the the. Uh, 80s, there was the uh, Blanchard and Johnson's uh, one minute series. And, you know, today, of course, there's people like Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton and John Gordon and Chris White, who, who all write wonderful parables. But um, so I'd always, whenever I'd read a parable, had always felt really connected with the story. I think we all know stories connect on a deeper level, right, than a, than a how-to. And I thought, what if we could take that basic know, like, and trust relationship building you know, focus on the other person type of premise and put that into a parable. So fortunately, I was, uh, I think it was the year, maybe 2002, 2003, maybe a little more, whatever. But I was writing a monthly column for a, a magazine and John David Mann was the uh, editor-in-chief. And John, even back then, although he wasn't, you know, as well known uh, to the masses, Within his niche, he was known as a brilliant writer, author, storyteller, and he's a great guy. And so as we started to get to know each other from him being my co-author and him and I always, you know, the running joke used to be that I'd say, John, you write my stuff better than I write my stuff. And uh, because he was just so fantastic at what he did when he edited, um, when I had this you know, just kind of German of an idea, of an idea for this, this book. Uh, I wanted him to be the co-author because I knew he could do a, you know, I'm a how-to guy. I, I knew he could do a great job telling the story and so forth. So uh, I had asked him about it and, and, you know, he was still very busy at the time, but fortunately uh, he and his, his back then fiance, now, now wife, Anna, they were visiting her mom in the uh, Tampa area. 
And I live across the state in Jupiter near West Palm Beach. And they they made about a four-hour drive one afternoon. And, and we had about a three-hour dinner and discussed the idea of the book. And uh, a few weeks later, he got back to me and said, yeah, you know, I think we got something here. So, um, you know, about uh, three months later, he took us about three months to write it with again John being the the lead writer believe me uh and then about 20 over the course of a year 24 publishers turning us down and then the 25th mm -hmm. being portfolio uh saying yes and that's kind of how that happened wow that's a great story so and I've read all the go-giver books I went back and reread them right the go-giver go-giver leader go-giver influencer yeah uh, you also have go-giver sells more yeah. right and yeah. like I said what I appreciate about the books is the parable. It's not like you're reading a business book, you know, the, the boring, you know, yawn inducing business books. This you're like observing somebody you're looking over their shoulder, following them as they learn all these lessons. And it's just so approachable. I really Thank enjoy you. those. And by the um, way, John and his wife, Anna actually wrote a book in the series, a separate book in the series called the go-giver marriage. Uh, nice. she's a licensed counselor and, and that's her work. And of course, John is John. And so mm -hmm. they, they wrote a, the go-giver marriage and it's, uh, it kind of, it's a half parable and half how to, so it's, it, they did a wonderful job with it. Excellent. Very cool. So the characters in the go-giver, uh, book, the first one, you've got the chairman, the CEO, the connector, are they based on actual people? So some of them are, some of them are kind of mixtures of people and others are just made up. So the chairman, Pindar, um, he is based loosely on Bob Proctor. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Bob. He was a uh, uh, author, speaker, entrepreneur uh, from Toronto. Uh, just a nice guy. Very, he had that aura of abundance and he was a great teacher and a very abundant person, but very kind and genuine and and so forth and mentored a lot of people. So we, we kind of pictured Bob, you know, as, as, as we're writing it. And so he, he was, he was based on, uh, based on him. Um, and then, you know, there were, uh, um, Deborah, who was the, the very successful realtor. She was actually based on, on two women. One was a realtor, um, who was very successful and the other was just another entrepreneur who had a lot of those qualities. So we kind of combined and mixed. Then we had some people like Rachel who were just totally made up. And Joe, the protege, was all of us. Yes. Because we've all been Joe or Josephine. You know, we've all been at that place where we've started out. We had the um, uh, potential, right? But just didn't have that, you know, that in Joe's case, it was his focus was really so much on himself. He was really, instead of a go-giver, he was a go-taker. And he was the kind of guy who was all about him and his quota and his this and who owed him what. And, and you know, we I, I don't know if we've all been there. I have been, but I think most of us have been. And so Joe was sort of the every man or, or every person. Nice. Yeah, and I, I, I saw myself definitely in Joe. I've met other people and been with other people in networking groups where they get in, get everything that they need, and then they leave the group. Oh, like that's yeah. the end of it. I was here for oh. me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love the five laws. You have five laws in the book, the law of value, law of compensation, law of influence, law of authenticity, and law of receptivity, being receptive. That's mm. the one that caught me off guard. Why is being receptive so important? You know, you make such a great point. And that is the, probably after the book came out, that was the, the biggest um, 
group of a theme, I should say, the biggest theme in the emails that we receive. Yeah, you know, the first four laws, pretty intuitive. You know, I could do those. That that's but that last one, wow, do I struggle with it. And there's a good reason for it, I think. Um, and and first, let's look at what the law of receptivity really is. It says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. When you think about it, right, it means nothing more than understanding that, yeah, you breathe out. Well, you've also got to breathe in, sure. right? It's not one or the other. It's both in order to, to survive, to thrive. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are really not opposite concepts. They're two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. Neither is any better than the other. They're both part of the same breathing out. You know, is breathing out better than breathing? No, they're both important. But this is not the message that we get from the world around us. No. The world constantly fills us and sends us anti-prosperity messages. You know, if you, if you, uh, and this is, you know, this gets, gets carved into our belief systems with many people. It's from a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, popular culture, cultural mores, social media, you know, the, the whole thing. And, and, you know, you'd think anybody who makes a great living uh, did it on the backs of others or, you know, uh, through some nefarious means or, you know, what now it's a big world. There's people who do things in a way we certainly do not Sorry, my apologies, that we certainly do not appreciate. Um, but uh, by and large, especially to the degree one operates in a free market environment, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else, right? Um, the only way that one can earn a very, very healthy income is by providing a lot of value to a lot of people. Right. I often, when I speak at a sales conference, I'll, I'll begin by saying, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Right. Right. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even because you're a nice guy. Right. They're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. This is why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value. Right. But again, this is not the message we get from the world around us. And so um, it, when people grow up and are constantly exposed to negative messages about money, about prosperity, about abundance, about business, it's not only that it's in their conscious mind, that can be dealt with. No, the insidious part is that it's in the, uh, in the unconscious, right? And that's always going to win out. So if you have grown up or have... have um, been subject to and have unconsciously accepted that ha that only dishonest people have a lot of money, right? Only mean people, only heartless people, only that, right? Have a lot of money. And you've grown up with values such as honesty and integrity and kindness and it, right? And now you find yourself in a position where you are, uh, you know, about to bring in all this money or you have all these, right? Well, what are you going to do? Your conscious is here and your unconscious is here and the unconscious is going to just gobble up the conscious and you're going to sabotage it. You're going to find a way to reject it because, well, what would people say if I, you know, how, what would it mean if I, right? So I really believe that 
that we need to consciously study prosperity. And there are fortunately lots of great teachers out there uh, yeah, who, who speak on it, who write on it, who blog, who do videos, who, what have you. You know, people like Randy Gage, people like well, the late Bob Proctor, uh, people like David Nagel and Ellen Rogan and Sharon Lecter and Ken Honda and all these and, and many, many more who just do. So, uh, you know, I get their blogs. I listen to them. I, we've got to just keep getting that good information into our heads. And most of what they speak about is not the how-to aspect. It's, 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 it's how to get past those negative limiting anti-prosperity messages. Exactly. Yeah. The mind trash. Trying to mind trash. That's a great Absolutely. way to say it. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the re receptivity because I, I, I believe being receptive to somebody else is a gift to them because you're allowing them to be a giver. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, well, that's, that's true too. And, you know, I mean, and, you know, receptivity is, is, and it's more than just financial, you know, when your flight instructor said to you, you've just lost your engine. Uh, if you were not receptive to the message, uh, you would have said, whoops, okay, I got to do something about this, but you'd never have taken it any further than what you did. <laughs> instead yeah. being receptive to the message allowed you to take that in and kind of unfurl it and, and take that and get the bigger, the bigger message. Exactly. Scary day, by the way, <laughs> huh? it was fun. That was a scary day. I'm sure it was. Yeah, but it was fun. Um, <laughs> so on the program, we talk about courage, right? Um, different types of courage leaders have to tap into uh, to be a, a courageous leader. There's intellectual courage, empathetic courage, social courage. Um, and we talk about where people find their courage to do the things that they've done. How about you? Where did you find your courage? I think I had a great example in my parents. So that was, that was very helpful. You know, I mean, that's, uh, I, I saw integrity modeled, you know, I saw empathy and kindness modeled and entrepreneurship modeled and, and leadership modeled. So um, nonetheless, as I got into the business world, uh, and, and I began in, in sales. Uh, I was a good salesperson, but once I got bumped up to leadership, uh, I quickly found out I was not a good leader. Yeah. You know, I was a good producer, not a good leader. Mm. And there's a big difference, as, as difference. you know, you know, I'm telling an expert in that field. But um, so, you know, it was at that point that I realized that I had a lot to learn about about that. And so that, you know, so, so that was key. So yes, I had great uh, parenting in that regard. And yet I still had to, you know, when it came to uh, the real world, there was a lot I, I, I had to learn the, the leadership aspect did not come naturally for me at all. And that's one of the courage is admitting, right? The intellectual courage, letting go of long held beliefs, uh, letting go of the knowledge you have to make room for brand new knowledge that oh, can be scary for people. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, when you think about it, our identities, uh, the ego rules, you know, I mean, we know that as human beings, we're emotional creatures, we'd like to think we're logical. And to a certain extent, of course, we are, but we're pretty much emotion based, we make major decisions based on emotion. And we back up those emotional decisions with logic, we rationalize. And if you take the word rationalize and cut it in two, it simply means we tell ourselves rational lies. And we tell mm -hmm. ourselves these rationalized in order to justify the emotion-based decisions we've made or that emotional ego aspect of not having to improve ourselves because to do so would mean where we have a fault. Uh, 
<laughs> right? So, so yes, that, that is the first part. It's, it's, you know, if you, if you, if there's anything I've, I've noticed in studying, not studying leadership, but studying success, I would say for 40 years, um, because once I got into sales, I got into studying success, right? <laughs> and, and that is that the most successful people, they, they, they live in truths. They seek out truths. They, they, they need to know they're operating from a place of realism. Now, that does not mean that they let truths limit them. No, but they utilize those truths. Um, they work within those truths and they use them in order to, you know, advance themselves and advance others. You know, it's, I liken it to, to gravity. You know, gravity on, in our earthly existence, gravity is simply a truth. It exists. It works. As Bob Proctor used to say, when it comes to any universal law, you can embrace it or you can deny it. But what right. you can never do is alter it. Right. So, uh, so, you know, the people who were inventing flight didn't say, you know, well, you know, this, this uh, gravity thing kind of gets in my way. I'm just going to be a positive thinker and say, oh, there's no such thing as gravity. It doesn't apply to me. So I'm just going to go off a cliff, put some, you know, wooden things on my arms and start, well, no, they crashed to their death. Instead, they learned the laws of, you know, physics, aerodynamics. They learned about the resistance and they learned how, right. And they built a contraption that could, that could uh, work within the truths and, and take off and fly. And, and I think that's really where it starts. You've got to start with seeking out and being willing to accept the truth. Very nice. So what's next for you? You've any more books in the works? I don't believe so. You know, I, uh, the, the only thing I can think of is that, you know, I, I have a, a daily email that I send out called the daily impact and it's been suggested. And I kind of like the idea of, you know, since it's five days a week, taking them and putting them into one of those books, you know, where it's a lesson a day type of thing, you know, nice. I, I, I can see doing that. And I might, it's just going to be a matter of whether I want to put the time and the effort into sure. to doing that. But I, yeah, I don't really see at this point any, any more books coming. Yeah. Or a journal where you give them a, a kernel of thought. I oh, think that'd yeah. be good too. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. nice. That's Very cool. Idea. Bob, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. Oh, um, thank you coach. If people want to learn more about you and, and follow you, how can they do that? What's your website? Yeah, the best place to go is just Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. I'm a simple guy. Excellent. Things simple. And Very when cool. they're and there, while books? they're there, huh? Are your books, are they available off your website? Yeah, they can actually, if they go to where it says books and they tap on that, they can get a, they can download a, a chapter, free chapter or excerpt of any of the books to see if they like it first. And they can always, there's a place to, to click through. And then they can also, if they'd like, subscribe to my free uh, daily impact uh, email. Excellent. Very cool. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes for everybody oh, so they can, they can follow you and stuff. And again, Bob, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here. Definitely check out all of the books. Uh, I highly re recommend every one of the books. Bob, thank you so much. And listeners, um, share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.